show I, I feel like I've probably talked about this before I feel like I talked about it like a year ago but I really want to talk about it again because there are more of you here now and this is one of those ones that I really want people to I like I'm when I say oh I want you to call in and tell me stuff I really want you to because I'm like what the fuck so I feel like I did talk about the Myers-Briggs typology indicator or your Myers-Briggs type I feel like I've talked about this before but interesting okay so I would have done that over a year ago if I did. And I know that I talked about what type I had at that point, which was like the last time that I took the test. But I took it again this weekend and guess what? It was fucking different. And I'm like, how did I, I'm like, why though? So it made me want to revisit the development of this test, the history of this test, because I mean, the test has never changed. Like when I used to take it in high school, like, you know, or I took it now, it's the same questions every time. Like, have I changed? Like, I mean, I guess I've probably changed since high school. I mean, I think some fundamental things about me haven't. Like, still weird as hell, but, I mean, it wasn't a huge change. I didn't totally change types, like, completely. Like, I didn't suddenly become an extrovert, but I just thought it was really interesting, and I'm kind of wondering if anybody else has had this experience. So I wanted to talk about it just to, like, leap off on that. So I definitely remember taking these in high school, and I think it was on a website called like Human Metrics or Similar Minds. I was trying to find them because I know they had a lot of like psych tests, you know, um, and they all had like the very like primitive web page design and it didn't look anything like the tests that you would take today in terms of like 16personalities.com, which is very colorful and pretty. Like these were like basically a GeoCities page with just text, which was fine. <laughs> Actually, that appealed to me a lot more. It wasn't as distracting while I was trying to take the test. And the questions were kind of like somewhere between a horoscope and a MySpace bulletin. For each question, you would say like how much it fits you. So it would be like, you are almost never late for your appointments. You feel involved when watching TV soap operas. You trust reason rather than feelings. And I mean, I had already been really interested in my own psychology at this point. I mean, I was kind of a natural navel gazer, if you will. And I didn't really think that I was going to be surprised by the answer, but I love to organize things or thoughts or people. I'm really into like data visualization, increasingly so as I've gotten older and been trying to like make sense of things in the world and in my life. So I really liked how organized this was. And I liked that it sort of, you know, produced this really definitive feeling answer for like, who are you? So at the time, I think I was an INTJ, which is interesting because then I took it as like in college and that was a few years later and I was still an INTJ. Then last year when I took it, I was an INFJ, which kind of was like, okay, now I'm going to be more of a feelings person, I guess. And now I'm like back to being an INTJ. So I don't know. It just, I feel like I go back and forth between these two. But anyway, we got to explain what this means, right? In case you don't know. You've never taken it before, although I bet after this podcast you will, and I hope you do, because then you can tell me. Um, anyway, so the Myers-Briggs test has kind of become a pop culture thing, which is a shame because it was actually developed for a very specific purpose. So during the Second World War, women all over the world were flung into the workforce, and many of them had never actually had a job like outside the home ever. 
at this point in history, women were primarily being raised to like get married and, and raise families and keep a house. They might have had some secretarial skills and certainly some of them used those skills. But this was the first time that they were having jobs like other than teaching or nursing. And they might even be working in factories or on assembly lines, things like that. And it was really hard for them to know what kind of jobs they could do because they only had ever known like what societies or their family's expectations or their husband's expectations on them were or like what their family's needs were so they didn't have practical knowledge but they also didn't have the self-knowledge to know what they could do to actually help during the war so we always think of rosie the riveter which is basically like all the beautiful young women whose husbands are in the war and they go to work in factories and wear pants for the first time and of course, this had a really big cultural impact. So women were outside the home visibly, and many of them discovered in this process um, that not only did they not know about how to do these jobs, they didn't know how to like relate to people in the workforce, like having a boss or having coworkers or what that dynamic is like. And so they knew a lot about relating to the nuclear family which they'd been raised basically to do, but their interpersonal skills, like in terms of how well they knew themselves or how well they expect, like would have expected to function in those environments, like they just didn't know. And there was no way for them to know because they didn't really have time to like go to therapy and work through it. You know what I mean? Like they, like the war was now and they had to get out and do things and earn money and contribute. And so in a way it was really asking a lot of them. Now at the same time, there was an author by the name of Catherine Cook Briggs who was, you know, casually reading up on her Jungian psychology. And she decided to actually come up with a what is what she called a typology test, which was a way to help women entering the workforce understand what kind of work they might actually be best suited for. So a woman's score on the MBTI gave her insights into how she experienced the external world as well as her own internal environment. So it assessed things like her reaction to conflict, her morals and intrinsic motivations, and helped her to be guided towards work that not only would she actually be really good at, but that she could potentially even enjoy and find fulfilling. So her daughter is where the Myers comes in. So her daughter, Isabel Myers, was also an author, and the two of them basically worked together to fine-tune the test and began presenting it academically to psychologists. Now, neither of them were actually psychologists, but they worked with them to try to hone it. And the problem was is that, you know, because they didn't actually have any psychoanalytic training, even though they were very highly educated, the tests really seemed to like lack validity. And they realized that they were not going to be successful in trying to get psychologists to use it formally. So instead, they got into the corporate sector and then they began advertising it not as a psychological test, but more like an aptitude test, which is something that businesses could use to screen potential employees. And more specifically, what they wanted was it for it to be like a consumer test that women could use themselves as they were entering the workforce for the first time. Now, by the 1960s, the MBTI really became used more generally and more people were using it because of that. And so the statistics that were being collected about the relative occurrence of all the various types in the population started to become like a larger swath. So it actually became more useful as more people were trying to use it. So all in all, there are 16 personality types in the MBTI, and each one is a combination of eight different possible, what they call dominant functions, extroversion, introversion, sensing, intuition, thinking, feeling, and judging or perception. Now, none of the types are like better than the others and the test doesn't measure aptitude. 
What it actually measures is preference. For example, if someone is an I type rather than an E type, it doesn't necessarily mean that they possess no extroverted qualities or that they're not capable of extroversion in certain situations, but that if they were given a choice, they are more likely to align themselves with a state of introversion. The MBTI is in many ways a way to explore one's preference for experiencing the world. And a person's ideal is not always the reality. So MBTI results are often useful in exploring career interests, particularly for young people who find that they have many competing interests. Though even the women responsible for creating the inventory admit that in many ways, a person knows themselves more intimately than any test could ever discern, and they are encouraged to look at all 16 personality types and explore which one they feel they identify with the most. So when I had talked about this like the last time, I know that I was an INFJ, and actually I felt like that resonated quite a bit with me. It's introversion, intuition, feeling, and judging. Just to give you an example, like if you read the descriptors of the type, then what you would find is that like this type is notoriously perfectionistic, hold themselves to unreasonable standards, become obsessively committed to passions, often at the expense of their personal relationships. Oh my god, I feel seen. Uh, they're also very interested in people and they're very empathetic, but they can shut people out when they feel overwhelmed, often without any warning. Which is probably one of the biggest defining things about me, which is awful in some ways and I feel really bad about it, but also it's the only reason that I've like been able to contribute things that ultimately became really useful on a wider scale to more people. So in a way, it's kind of a catch-22. So they also tend to have a very strong moral compass um, and are often unwilling to abandon it. <laughs> so like, fuck. <laughs> they tend to have a disproportionate response to embarrassment and criticism and may actually become irrational in the face of it. Uh, also, if you're an INFJ, let me tell you, don't write a book and then publish it to the world because you will feel really bad when people say mean shit about it. But the darker side of this type is that they are capable of great manipulation because they are extremely intuitive about people and their motives. And some people who do these tests and write about them theoretically and academically and analytically have proposed that Hitler was an INFJ. So I'm maybe okay with the fact that this time I took it like this week and I was an INTJ again. Like I'm all right with that. That's uh, that's fine. Anyway, so one of the things that's kind of fun is that when you take these tests, there are a lot of people who have put effort into figuring out, like, not just what their MBTI type would be, but, like, what the MBTI would be for fictional characters. So I just remember that I was, like, super excited because they were like, oh, Fox Mulder from the X-Files is definitely an INFJ. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm okay if I'm an INFJ, if I can be, like, Mulder. But, you know, actually it was interesting because I identified a lot with some of the other characters that people have kind of analyzed to be INFJs, like um, the main character from A Little Princess was was something that I gravitated toward even as a child, which makes me think that this is something that kind of represents a lot of parts of myself that have been with me for a very long time. And also it's kind of like one of those things where there are some things that have always been true in my whole life that this test kind of reflected, which is like creepy levels of, of intuition. And having a brain that's kind of rapid firing about noticing details and connecting them often in a way that's like too much, like everything is too much and I'm always too much for people in terms of like 
I talk too much and I see too much and I hear too much and I feel very overstimulated by things and then I feel like I have to tell people about them. So uh, anyway, works for this podcast. But, it, but why, so why does this test matter? Why does it matter? So Briggs and Myers were really focused on helping people. They wanted people to feel like they could assimilate themselves into a career as if career was kind of a facet of their life, very important and often a very large one. And in some ways it is. I mean, what we do and what we spend most of our waking hours doing is usually working. And then, you know, what after that? So I suspect that for many people, there is really more to be found in MBTI than just career preference. And understanding how we relate to ourselves and to our environment is paramount to helping us understand how we relate or fail to relate to other people. Now, whether it be within our nuclear family system or our social interactions or our romances, understanding what our preferred method of living is, both in our own minds and in the world, can help us to pinpoint ways in which we are going against our natural inclination and perhaps help us to right ourselves toward a happier life. So I do think it's really interesting that I've gone back to sort of like the INTJ profile that I had in high school and most of college, like actually before I got sick. Um, And I feel like actually getting sick may have changed my personality in maybe subtle enough ways that it was reflected by this test, which is why I went through a couple of years of being more of an INFJ. But now that I'm like reading back through it, I do feel like I've changed again this year as things have sort of changed in really big ways in my career and in my personal life you know a lot of big transitions have happened and I think that probably um it's not like you can totally completely identify with like the MBTI type that you are or whatever and I think that people do change um not make you know big leaps or anything generally but you do have these little subtle changes and actually this might be a really good tool if you take it throughout your life to kind of detect maybe not necessarily personality changes but changes of focus and changes in terms of like how you are feeling about preferring to work. So I think it's a really useful thing. And I'm at a pretty big period of transition right now in a lot of places in my life. So it's been really useful to look at it again. And also, yeah, I feel a little better about being an INTJ uh, than a uh, INFJ. So I'm really curious if you've taken the test, certainly even just one time, what is your type? And do you feel like it is like true to you? Um, But also, if you've taken it multiple times throughout the course of your life, has it changed like this? And do you think that those changes kind of reflected periods of transition in your life or maybe like things that happened, like, you know, if you had a kid or you got a degree or you did a different job? Like, do you think that there is something to be said there about, you know, the ways that it kind of adapts as as you change because it's not just again it's not just about your personality it's actually about your preferences and I know that my preferences for things and my needs actually in terms of work or what I'm interested in or what I need in my day-to-day life are definitely shifting so it is interesting to see that so I'm just curious it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently so I just wanted to talk about it again today because I'm hoping that now that there are so many of you listening to the show every day that somebody will have something to say about it because I think it's really interesting and I really want to like talk about it (laughs) 